Hello and welcome to 25 Cents, a video game podcast. I am Chris. And I'm Nick. Each episode will be making the rounds through our four corners, console, PC, Apple, and tabletop, with a focus on games that are great to play if you've got kids. And you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on the web at goodstuff.network. I'm <laughs> I was in the wrong window. Hotkeys only work if you have the, well, those some hotkeys on a Mac, obviously, only work if you have them set up right, and the browser, or that window is the active window, otherwise you're just typing a number into a document. (laughs) You need what my my friend Dan used to call focus follows brain, you know, just that like, the computer (laughs) does the thing that you meant (laughs) to do. Come on, Siri, you're smarter than this. Yeah, sadly, computers are are as smart as we make them, and... uh, we're not that smart. No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so, so we've we've made it through our intro. Uh, I think <laughs> I think we're going to switch up the corners a little bit for for reasons that will be revealed later. Um, so, I think Apple. You want to start off with Apple Corner? Yeah, we might as well get. Uh, I, I, we we don't have that one locked in, but we'll just use the car screeching effect for now. <laughs> we screech into <laughs> Apple Corner quickly. Uh, there's a whole bunch of new games. Sorry, yeah, like, and and I didn't play any of them, and I see you didn't either. <laughs> no, we're not doing. There this. was a, there was a a big dump, uh, I think, last Friday. I want to say, and um, yeah, funnily enough, my my son has not. He mentioned that there are a few new games because he usually looks uh, at the arcade releases when he has some iPad screen time on the weekends, but he didn't, you know seem to be interested in any of them, and and actually was just back to Wonderbox again. Oh, um, nice. Uh, so yeah, um, there's, there's a couple ones that look kind of interesting. There's, uh, Hidden Folks, which is kind of like an animated Waldo or Wally, if you're in the UK, I think, uh, kind of game. Yeah, that one actually, I, sorry, I did try this one just briefly because I thought it would actually be, uh, my wife is kind of like the enigma of getting her into a game. It has to be a very specific little niche that she will be willing to try it. And I'm kind of just like, not because she needs a more distractions on her phone, obviously, but it's more about like, hey, we're paying for Apple Arcade. You should use it or whatever, the budget brain side of my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I did a, it, it is a fun not mindless isn't the right word because obviously you're using your brain trying to figure it out but it's not a very difficult puzzle but it is difficult if that makes sense like you're not you're looking for stuff in the your patterns and stuff in the picture and it's all grayscale and so you're you're trying to find those things in the puzzle like where right. where's waldo like you said but it's actually i just realized it's from 2017 that it was the game of the year on the app store so it's a five-year-old game that's now being repackaged for as they've been doing obviously for the apple arcade which is kind of fun so for the for the plus uh, games and and I see uh, you have the banner loaded there that Apple Arcade now says play over two hundred games no ads right which is uh, <laughs> you know we we've said as they build up the library that's that's quite the value proposition uh, especially if you're someone who you know normally is playing like you know the kind of free to play games that tempt you into spending five dollars here or there you know throw that in with your bundle add that for a month uh, and you get access to a lot of games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a couple of the other uh, plus ones that they added was Bridge Constructor Plus. Um, so this is another one. I, I never played this one when it was out previously. I had a, a different bridge simulation game that that maybe has some similar gameplay called Poly Bridge um, that I that I enjoyed. Um, <laughs> what's, what's funny to me with, with these bridge simulation games, and there's a few of them, 
uh, I think there's even like a, I saw, was there, there's like a walking dead bridge simulator game. So you're like trying to, (laughs) you're trying to build a bridge to like stop the zombies or escape the zombies or whatever. Um, but it reminds me of taking my like intro to mechanics course in (laughs) engineering school and, you know, we, we had a bridge project and you'd sit down at the lab computer and you'd simulate a truss bridge with, I don't know, maybe like 20 members or something fairly simple. And it would take several minutes to simulate and render the, the weight distributions. Right. And now these, these little phone games, (laughs) you can, you can put hundreds of complicated truss elements in like really random uh, angles and combinations and it just happily crunches the math and yeah. <laughs> uh, and turns it into this little game right um, it, it's just it's just uh, one of those places where the absolute excess of compute power that we have available uh, can be used with with a little math behind the scenes to make some some kind of fun games that are based on what used to be like supercomputer grade you know tools for mm-hmm. for you know engineers and such. Yeah. Yeah. This one actually is fun. I meant to introduce this to my kids actually, because it is like, even if you don't play it a ton, it's just kind of like an easy way to get introduced to some of those engineering concepts even too. And in a, obviously a very fun and not that you would build anything based off of your designs in here, but kind of way, but like, just like, just like the same games that like youth groups or high school, whatever, like where you're trying to not crack an egg that you throw up in the air and those kinds of things, just basic engineering issues that are problems that you're trying to solve, but in a fun way. And um, I remember playing this one or maybe it was like you said, the, the other one or one of many other ones that came out like it. And it's just kind of a fun, fun game. And it's, that's exactly like what you were saying with the Apple arcade value proposition of just like have a game, play it for a week or two weeks or just a day. And that's fine. You're not really <laughs> under any you know decision burden of like, is it worth it? Should I buy it? Is it going to be inundated with ads, et cetera. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm noticing in the description it says includes expansion packs, uh, right? So so presumably the the original non plus version there were there were different in app purchases to add yeah. uh, different stuff to the game, but now you get the whole bundle, you know, as part of Apple Arcade, which is another way of kind of uh, how we've seen these old other business model games get transformed as part of the the plus uh, uh, reissue. Visit the United Kingdom for the train add on. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, Crashlands Plus was another one that came out. Looks intense. I didn't just, yeah, I didn't try this one at all. Yeah, so it's a 2016. It won some awards back then. Um, yeah, it's an action RPG. Um, it, you know, it, it kind of seems to fit like um, some of the other uh, action RPGs that have come out on Apple Arcade so far. Um, but again, you know, they're they're just getting that library a little more robust, and and they really seem to be focusing on the games that were you know, sort of critically acclaimed. They're, they're at that age horizon where maybe their, their phone compatibility is starting to fall off. Um, and, and Apple's, you know, inking the deals to, to resurrect those. Mm -hmm. I wish if there's, I know there's nobody probably watching from Apple Arcade, but I wish that (laughs) these links, these images, which are screenshots or videos sometimes from the games were clickable. So you could actually make them on a computer, make them bigger and actually see them. That would be just like a, Nice little user experience improvement. <laughs> That's probably the the store team, right? Yeah, yeah. And but even for like movies app, like a, a movie that's yeah. got its list, I'm sure you can pop open the preview. Anyways, uh, Nickelodeon Extreme Tennis. I saw somehow I saw a lot of ads for this one. Like I don't know if it was just on my phone or on Twitter or all over social media. Like obviously the Nickelodeon tie-in. 
um, mm-hmm. with all the characters in an extreme tennis. I'm guessing this one would be pretty fun just in, in the video game, you know, tennis, not obviously very simulator heavy <laughs> tennis that they're playing, yeah. um, would be kind of fun if, especially if you're into any of the characters, obviously. So, but this one, uh, yeah, I didn't try it either. So. Yeah, I think I think this one might be if uh, fun to try with with my son because he really liked the ten, the table tennis and tennis and badminton modes in um, Mario at the Tokyo Olympics. So this mm. is kind of similar. Yep. That said, he has no context on any of these Nickelodeon characters. <laughs> I think he knows that SpongeBob is a TV character, but beyond that, you know, uh, does, doesn't really know any of these. You know, and, and like, hey, Arnold is is maybe more my my age or even a, like a year or two younger. I, I never had Nickelodeon really as a kid. So I, I didn't, um, uh, identify with some of these characters the way some of my peers did. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, um, if you, if you like, if you like these characters and you like a simple sport game, it looks like a, a good one. And it's part of this long ongoing Nickelodeon deal. That's part of Apple arcade. Cause we've seen, uh, several games now with, with tie in, yeah, and it's actually one of the only ones, at least of the list so far that we've looked at, is that's actually also Apple TV capable. So, um, for what it's worth, I guess, which makes sense, it would be a fun one to play on Apple TV. Whereas maybe the bridge constructor is a little more awkward to control and and whatever, and isn't doesn't have native controller controls, <laughs> if that's the right word. Those those kind of games definitely feel very touch first, right? You're you're manipulating complicated objects on screen. That that makes sense as a touch based uh, yeah. game that wouldn't come to Apple Apple TV. Yeah. Um, have you heard about Wordle at all? Is that something? Yeah. You're uh, you know, I think uh, if if I if I look at you know the the family text thread, Twitter, uh, every Discord I'm in, um, you know, Wordle is everywhere. It's taking the world by storm. Um, yeah, we were really excited about all of the Wordle clones uh, that we talked about last episode, and uh, and then something happened <laughs> yeah. uh, to to sort of end the fun. Maybe um, it it Mr. Wordle sold, sold Mr. Wordle, the developer of Wordle, <laughs> sold the game to the New York Times. Yeah, and to the New York Times. And so, uh, interesting side note that I was just a happy coincidence. Um, a podcast that I, is a client of mine that I edit, they called Syntax.fm. So if you go to, obviously, Syntax.fm, um, I think the episode is coming out, uh, what is today? It'll be, as well, actually, it'll be out by the time you're listening to this, if you're recording or you're listening, not listening live, uh, on the February 9th, Wednesday, February 9th, it's out. And so, it's a very tech web web development focused podcast, but they happen to he happens to be Josh happens to be a listener of this podcast, and so he wrote in and said, "Hey, I'd love to talk to you guys about Wordle and how I developed it and the, the tech stack I use." And and it happened to be the day after he sold <laughs> sold it to the New York Times. So it's like, <laughs> yes, let's do that, and let's also make sure we you know get this episode out sooner than late because it was supposed to be I think next week or whatever. But obviously, might as well. Um, but I'm happy to say in just in, obviously I, in listening to his conversation, I would really encourage you to go listen to it later when it comes out. But, um, he, if there was ever like a non sleazy dude to sell or person to sell something to the New York times for low seven figures and make hopefully make the game continue in a healthy way, he seems like the kind of person who would like to do that. Of course, that being said, everything can get corrupted by enough digits. In the yeah. <laughs> but even just tackling things, I'll, I'll just, I guess, tease a little bit of it in terms of um, like he sold them the slash domain for the ad for the game because the game is at his website slash Wordle. 
So he sold them just a slash of the of Wordle. He didn't sell them his home domain. So he still maintains control of power. Interesting. Something, whatever it's called. Uh that domain and then they'll put some sort of redirect or whatever but then they also had to account for things like the fact that um, your score and your streak and your history with the game is in local browser storage so not even as you may have noticed mm-hmm. if you're playing on your computer and then you go to your phone all of a sudden it's like you're a brand new player and or even switch browsers on a computer um, and so that's all part of the design to keep it light easy to use or easy to develop for because obviously, as you may have heard, he didn't develop this to be <laughs> this mass success. Um, and so that's part of the deal is like you have to have that address still in order to be able to access local storage where people have, you know, weeks of a streak built up and they're going to be angry if the New York Times all of a sudden takes over and then that right. streak is gone or whatever. Um, so anyways, all to say, I, I feel like I understand completely the concern about this game is going to be corrupted by ads or whatever they might put into it. And it may eventually be that. But um, yeah, it's at least happened to a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I suspect it'll be part of the New York Times like puzzle subscription you can get, you know, for crosswords and um, that honeybee word game they have. I'm forgetting the name of, and and some of the other stuff, right? So maybe maybe Word will be the free one to get you in the door, or it'll be part of that package. Um, you know, if if people decide to stick stick with it. I think I saw a few folks on on like Twitter making the point like, hey, you know, this was his creator opportunity to cash out, right? There's lots of ways that a um, a trend, a really popular viral trend, can end, and this one at least, you know, benefits the the creator and and his family to to a, a financial degree. And you know, he doesn't have to deal with it anymore. It's 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 created. It's in the world, and and he's um, kind of detached from it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I think uh, I, I think I'm I'm a little bit sad because it seemed like this moment of sort of like, you know, sort of pure fun, you know, open web developer stuff. Uh, but you know, yeah, like you said, it sounds like he's uh, tried very hard to kind of maintain that. And um, you know, it, it's also the case that like it's it's a pretty relatively trivial. Like the game idea isn't trivial, but it's not a lot of code. So I, I feel like Wordle and Wordle clones will probably be something that we see showing up in like class projects and uh you know it uh job interview questions and and that sort of thing right like uh because of some of the the aspects of of what makes it such a a simple uh and clean a game experience um and and speaking of clones i've i've found a few more i don't know if you've tried any of these yeah <laughs> the uh well funny one is uh ner- not nerdle sorry that's one you're you're, there's one a hockey name Gordle, Gordle or something like that. It's like a hockey oh, player name generator. I missed that one. <laughs> and uh, so what was really funny is I literally this is just a bit of like serendipity, but like I was editing the episode. They started talking about clone Wordle clones with him, and they said this hockey one. And then my wife actually texted me like within minutes about this same <laughs> clone because someone at her work was talking about this Wordle clone that has hockey player. Uh, anyways, it was just kind of a funny little bit of coincidence. But um, and the other thing I was going to mention is that he. He, speaking of like maintaining the game, the actual cost of the game, he's like, it's like a hundred bucks a month for his Amazon S3 or whatever buckets and, and things to host the game. So it's very minimal, but just the ongoing stress and overload of carrying this thing that the like 10 million people a month are right. playing or whatever. <laughs> I, I have to, cause yeah, it's, it's just basically a static web page and some JavaScript. So the, the bandwidth and storage costs are pretty low, but the support costs I imagine are pretty, you know, astronomical. I mean, I, I, 
if if you think of the angry tweets about like, oh, I can't believe, like rebus isn't a very good word. Like no one knows that word, right? Like yeah. just thinking of all of the email and messages that he had to deal with just because of which word he picked for a given day. Uh, or, or maybe it was even just random. I, I forget if he's, if he's described how he selected the word list. But. Yeah, he talks about that in there too in the episode. Yeah, it's it actually, it, it is interesting because he put it in like, you know, because again, he developed it for him and his girlfriend. And then, so he wanted to be able to play the game. So he did this massive array. They went through it and figured out like which words are actually dumb words. It shouldn't really be in there that uh, aren't really known words and then randomized it and then tried to forget. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so he could play the game obviously and with his girlfriend. Right. So anyway, um, yeah. Nerdle, Quirtle. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of, you, you mentioned hockey player names, uh, but there's, I also found uh, a, a friend of mine who's big in the, in Star Wars communities found Star Wordle, which is five letter or six letter, uh, Star Wars character names. Uh, I found this one very difficult because I don't, I mean, I know some trivia, some Star Wars trivia, but like this is, there's some deep cuts in, in this one. Uh, so if you're not a huge consumer of Wikipedia, uh, you are not going to have a lot of success with this one. Probably. I I'm sure someone will create a Star Trek Wordle. Um, uh, but yeah, and then Nerdle is uh, math equations, uh, so maybe a good educational one. And Quartle is like Dordle, except you play four boards at once with a single guess instead of. And uh, in, in, and I found that one very challenging. Um, so yeah, I think I, you know the 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 fuel for this for this trend seems to seems to still be burning at least for a little while. I still see a lot of people posting about it even now, almost. Uh, uh, over a week after the acquisition, right announcement. Um, so yeah, I'm. It, it's kind of fun to just see. Like I've always loved word games, and seeing Wordle sort of still be in the consciousness for a while. It's like it. It seems like one of those things that kind of hit that um, you know pandemic uh, brain sweet spot of like it's a it's this collective moment. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, we've spent probably more than our allotted time on that one. So let's move on to uh, <laughs> tabletop corner. <laughs> We need some dice speaking rolling of, or something. Yeah, speaking of randomized sounds that I hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> sounds like my tabletop um, game. So table, Tabletop Corner, I think we've we've punted on for a few episodes. Uh, not a lot of uh, news or, or new things that, that I've tried, at least. Um, I saw um, Asmodee, which is one of the big uh, tabletop game companies. They also own Fantasy Flight and a couple other brands. Um, is being purchased by something called the Embracer Group. So I think this is just like kind of a reinvestment portfolio thing. Um, my son and I have been playing some more Dominion uh, lately. Mm. He he really likes the the deck building and and creating a a deck in which you can basically play the the so the so called engine strategy where you can play as many cards as you can. And you just keep drawing and keep drawing and keep drawing, uh, even if it doesn't result in a win. He really just likes playing that way, which is fun. Um, and then I saw uh, uh, Rob Davio, um, who's the uh, creator of um, Pandemic and related uh, spinoffs, is running this company called Restoration Games, and they have been buying up the licenses of uh, games that are out of print from like the 80s and 90s. Oh, nice. And uh, republishing them, you know, repackaging them, maybe updating the mechanics to sort of more modern uh, Euro game sensibilities. So I'd seen that Fireball Island, which I remember seeing the TV ads for back in late 80s, early 90s, uh, was reissued. But I just assumed it was like 
you know, Hasbro or somebody putting out, you know, whoever owned the license was was re-releasing it. But it's actually this Restoration Games project uh, that, you know, he's kind of uh, running as part of, he's obviously an incredibly successful board game designer, uh, huge name in the industry. And and now he's kind of taking on this passion project of, of you know, resurrecting, restoring uh, classic board games that have fallen out of favor, which I think yeah. is pretty cool. That is very cool. We've, uh, I see in your notes here, you overdosed on villainous, which, or maybe it's my old notes. I don't know. Do I think we, that's your, both? I think that's your old note. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we, we, we haven't played any lately. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely overdosed on that on the, over the holidays. So it's, um, we, I think almost to the point where we've just abandoned board games completely for a little while. I think we just did the, like the holiday thing and then also getting COVID and whatever. And just kind of like, all right, everything reminds us of like a month ago when we were all sick and gross and so let's just you know take a complete break from that so yeah stuck stuck inside together so so what have you been playing instead uh well nothing board game related we're we actually can move on to console corner because that's definitely where we're um let's see no that's not the right one (laughs) (laughs) at any rate (laughs) all right we'll 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 workshop the soundboard yeah there we go We've got ideas for sounds for our corners. Please send them in uh, to our Twitter account, 25C Arcade. We can definitely love to hear from you. Um, no, the the thing that's actually, it's I fall back on is Fortnite as, uh, as a Fortnite dad. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, trying to be like not completely lame with my kids because it, it is like a, uh, I think we've talked about many times here where like the instant gratification hit of playing Fortnite is great for the kids and great for me as well in a busy time. And so um, it's also frustrating because any sort of deeper knowledge game, civilization, Warcraft 3, et cetera, like we've talked about is also just kind of like feels too <laughs> too much work almost in a sense in the allotted time that you have. And it is really like Fortnite, like you've said, is very sticky and it just like our kids keep kind of like this latest season is all about spider-man skins and unlocking spider-man skins as well as then the the rock sort of character who's dominion guy or whatever um is at the top of it and that's what they just unlocked finally and um so the for me it's like three goals each season when it refreshes is like unlocking the entire map so just visiting the map and ungraying mm-hmm. it or whatever so you've been everywhere and then i've gotten into a little bit into the quests of it like just random th- things you're supposed to do in the game to do it to unlock and finish and that's what technically unlocks if you pay for the battle pass and unlocks more skins etc but i just skipped that part and then of course just having fun with my kids when and if they let me play with them and they're not <laughs> embarrassed do you, do you uh <laughs> do you do you kind of hold back the team a little bit with with the oh, dad handicap well, or? a little bit because you you go into three trios or whatever they call it now and so then it is just more complicated I mean, when it's just two i think it's a lot easier to like you know exactly what the other person's doing you're not mm-hmm. trying to like keep track of someone someone runs off in a different way and then you have to like go rescue them or whatever but it is funny watching just the personalities within my kids are like you know if they're i can hear them when they're playing together often and one person will die and they'll be like, oh, how did you die? Oh, man, now you died or whatever. And like they're getting mad at the other guy for dying. But then the response to someone dying is sometimes like my one son will often like go try and save them first and then get shot in the process. Right. Whereas the other son will mm-hmm. like boot it out of the way, like out of the area where out of the danger zone or whatever and say, I'm going to come back and get you. Don't worry. <laughs> but then and that really doesn't actually get around to getting back and getting him. And they both just get sort of frustrated with each other for their, you know, lack of help in death <laughs> or fake death. And, uh, cause you can actually take your reboot card and take it to a van and reboot somebody in the game. And so then you can kind of come back into the game, which is kind of a, a neat mechanic for keeping the game going, obviously. Um, but yeah, at any rate, that's the, the, the update lately. And then, and then we also play a bit of hockey still. NHL 22 is a lot of fun for the three of us playing. And so, 
Is there any sort of conflict uh, resolution when with between the kids, whether it's like resolving, "Hey, you let me die" in Fortnite, or the team play in in hockey, or is well, it mostly it's, okay? It's mostly okay. There, the, it's funny because in hockey, any sort of many sports games, it's actually it's it's fun to play together. But if it's like two people on one side, two people or one person, in our case, on the other side, it's actually better being the single person because then you don't have to worry about someone taking over a player that you're passing to, right? You know that you're always going to mm, be the one controlling mm-hmm. every player. And so there's a bit of like delay and when you're playing with somebody. And I don't know how you ever overcome that. Maybe some people, like you can lock yourself to being only the left winger or only the center player or whatever. Um, and so then you can only, you know who you're going to be and you're not going to pass it to someone who isn't you or might be you. Um, but that's some of the bigger issues of just like, yeah. And uh, like one kid being better than the other, obviously. Luckily with Fortnite, I'm the worst. And so <laughs> I can take the beating. <laughs> Whereas in hockey, actually, I'm the, usually one of the better ones. And so then they can kind of fight over who's the worst. And sometimes that leads to hurt feelings because someone loses. More. But at yeah. any rate, that's hockey for you. So, <laughs> and so uh, we need to take a, a brief a brief detour into we were wrong corner um, yeah. <laughs> in the context of acquisitions. So um, I I think I said on our last episode like oh yeah Microsoft owns Bungie which is incorrect. Microsoft owns uh, the Halo franchise through their subsidiary was it three sixty five Industries or or whatever Some, yeah uh, uh, because the big the other big news since we last recorded is Sony buys Bungie. Um, <laughs> Which actually kind of makes sense from a Destiny, Destiny 2, PlayStation, you know, play, right? And mm-hmm. and that and that Sony maybe doesn't have like a, a premier developer like like this. Um, so yeah, it's that's an interesting that's an interesting big big news uh, on the heels of of other big game company acquisitions. Yeah, and there's something about I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just because I know Kyle and Kenny of Morning Show fame here on Good Stuff. They play a lot of Destiny, or ha- used to play a lot of Destiny. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they still do, and it, it, for me, and they happen to be on PlayStation. And it's for me, it's always been sort of like a PlayStation game in my mind for some reason. Right, even though it's not, it's cross platform, and you can get it for Xbox, etc. But it does feel like a for whatever reason, in my brain, anyways, it's always made sense that it's a PlayStation platform platformer, and uh, and so this kind of yeah, it was kind of funny because we we had recorded and then we were talking about it in our Discord, and there's some disagreement about who actually owned Halo and who actually owns ben, or Bungie or whether they're yeah, and then within yeah hours, I think of, of that argument or just conversation, the announcement came that Sony was buying them. So for three point six billion, which obviously is a lot less than. Microsoft buying Activision for sixty-eight billion, but it's I think what what's the old measure? It's that's three three Instagrams basically. So if we're still using Instagram as yes, I, I I think that was because uh, Instagram was bought by Facebook for a billion, right? Yeah, yeah roughly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it, it's a uh, it's big big money moving around and big consolidation in in the game in the game space. Yeah. Um, I think the other halo thing that was interesting is the, the trailer for the live action or another trailer for the live action halo TV series that's coming out on, um, Oh yeah. Uh, Paramount right. plus, uh, soon, uh, came out and you know, it, it looks very like generic sci-fi action at a glance, <laughs> but, and, and the trailer is like, it's very, very tra- like they do the, they do like a slowed down cover of a, of a, yeah. of um a, gen- a genesis song but but you know i'll, I'll probably watch it because uh yeah i'm i'm paying for paramount plus for star trek as i've said because uh they they have a whole plan of many many tv series over the course of the year that, that we've been enjoying 
Um, the other Star Trek game news is uh, Star Trek Resurgence uh, had a trailer. Um, so I heard about this on a Star Trek podcast I listened to called Transporter Lock. And um, so this is, uh, you know, Telltale Games famously kind of just like completely imploded a couple years ago as a game studio. But for a while, they they were just churning out all these great licensed uh, story games uh, where you're know, kind of m- a modern version of point and click adventure, right? Um, and a lot of them were really good. I, I played some of the Walking Dead one. I played some of the Game of Thrones one. Um, and so this, some alumni from that studio um, are are have a new studio, and they got the Trek license, and they're doing a narrative adventure. Um, so if you know Star Trek timelines, it's set uh, after the Next Generation movies that came out uh, in the '90s. Uh, around the same time as the currently airing animated show Lower Decks um, and no connection to the so-called Kelvin timeline movies, which are the three that came out with Chris Pine. Uh, so anyway, it fits It fits into the whole Star Trek history. I'm pretty excited because it looks like it'll be a lot of fun and it's uh, going to be on Epic Game Store and PlayStation and Xbox. And, uh, you know, based on the, the previous Telltale games, you know, it'll probably be several hours of kind of story gameplay, lots of, you know, uh, video and dialogue and story choices. Um, and, you know, at least for me, Trek is, is a, it's big about the story, right? Not the action. Uh, so I, I'm pretty excited to, to see this one when it, when it comes out. Um, but I, I was kind of thinking I, uh, I need to kind of transport us over to another universe, the Star Trek universe, is that take the over the show for a little bit. Is that the cue? Yes. The, the audio? Okay. Here we go. <laughs> This is a takeover. This is a takeover of <laughs> 25 <takeover>. cents. <laughs> it's a hostile takeover of 25 cents. Uh, it is now uh, 25 slips of gold pressed latinum. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the many, many, many Star Trek games that have come out over the years. Uh, video games, uh, some, you know, the board games and card games. And, um, I, I linked to the the Wikipedia list of Star Trek games in the in the show notes, um, but I've I've actually played more of, in a way more of these than I realized, but also not nearly as many as there are, and <laughs> and that I might have been interested in had I not been playing other stuff at the time. Um, so my I, I know have you have you played any Star Trek games? I, 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 you're not a big Star Trek viewer, I know. Yeah, like I mean, it's one of those things where it was like a choice of. I had friends who were big into Star Trek in high school and stuff, and I definitely watched a lot of Next Generation just because it was what was on at the time, and even into Deep Space Nine and into uh, what was the one with um, Scott Bakula? Is that the guy? Enterprise, yeah. Enterprise. That's where I dropped off in terms of TV watching, and then also watched all the movies, the the newer, like sorry, the what's that called, like the the eight or whatever that came out with Next Generation cast. Tangentially, uh, or six, or whatever it is. Yeah, so there were there were four four next gen movies. Okay, uh, so that's Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. Yeah, uh, so that hit right at my sweet spot of like going to movies and with friends mm-hmm. and whatever time period, and then definitely saw the newer ones as well. The what did you call them? The Kenner. Kelvin, Kelvin, because 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 it starts at the beginning of the 2009 movie with the USS Kelvin. Uh, encountering a time anomaly and that right. that's what resets the so it's off in its own little universe uh, yeah. separate from the main history that that uh 
Trek fans obsess over. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely I've, I'm very aware culturally and even just like, I, I guess, a lazy Star Trek fan in terms of like, I would know more about Star Wars because I've spent more time in that universe. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, and I haven't played a lot of the, the games as I'm looking through the list, I def, but I even having been working at a computer store when a lot of them came out in the 2000s, let's say, and being aware of just like having to sell them to people <laughs> as right. a thing, um, but definitely didn't spend a lot of time playing them. But appreciate the, the even like watching the trailer for, for the, the new game, um, like I can appreciate the, the idea of like seeing the, the media or the characters or whatever and getting to walk through that in a game format is like the ultimate nerd fun, right? Like, and that's right. definitely, I can totally appreciate how fun it is, regardless of how good the game even is, which sometimes clouds, you know, whether it's actually a great game. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, and, and, and famously, I mean, a couple of the ones on this list uh, were like notoriously bad games, like just p- pilloried <laughs> in, the, in the game press as like a cheap uh, tie-in. I think, I think there was an Xbox game that tied in with the first of the new Chris Pine movies in, in 2009 that was just famously terrible. Um, you know, so, so Star Trek slapping the, their name on things. Um, there, there's an interesting mix, right? So there's, there's the games where you're playing basically as the main characters from one of the shows. And then there's the, then there's the games where you're playing as, you know, in the Trek universe, right? So you, you maybe encounter via cameo, uh, the main characters that you know and love, but you're kind of doing your own side story that, that, um, uh, maybe is important or, or or maybe not to the sort of big picture plot of of all the games um and of course uh, many of these games go back into like early fan history because unsurprisingly when when star trek was off the air and there weren't any movies in the 70s and there's this huge fan community a lot of those fans were early <laughs> computer programmers and so they were creating you know these these early fan games that were unofficial um for for various platforms um Obviously, being a little younger than that, I didn't encounter a lot of these. I have this vague memory of a Star Trek ship simulator game. And based on the list, I think it's this one called Begin 2 uh, that I played once when I, for some for some reason, I had to go to like daycare in sort of a, an emergency situation. Like my dad, who was usually at home at that age, wasn't available or something <laughs> came up at school for him. And, and so I was at this daycare, but I was a lot older than any of the other kids. And so they just set me up on the on the PC that was in the house, and I was playing the Star <laughs> Trek game. I just have this this memory of that. But the the first one I got was um, I think you had the page up there earlier was Star Trek twenty fifth anniversary, and um, uh, this is one of the classic uh, point and click adventure games. And you are playing as uh, the original series crew during the original series time period, so Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and 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 others, um, and. Uh, there's a little bit of a an action element uh, for ship battles, and actually, if you remember the era of copy protection for games, um, the way the copy protection for this worked is the the official game manual had a star map, and when you wanted to go on any mission, you had to navigate to the right star system using the game manual. You you couldn't figure it out from in the game, and right. if you navigated to any other star system, a super powerful Romulan cruiser would show up and blow you up. So that was the that was the copy protection. Awesome. You couldn't you couldn't progress in the game unless you had the official game manual. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> that's brilliant. So I, I remember that one. Um, I we actually we got that when I had we had a DOS computer at home, but it wasn't new enough to play the game. 
And I somehow convinced my grandma, who at the time operated a a small um, bath and sundry shop, uh, to let me install the game on her like point of sale uh, PC <laughs> that, yeah. that was at her store <laughs> after hours. Um, and and that's how I that's how I played a bit of it. Uh, <laughs> um, and then later I got the CD-ROM version for Mac, um, which they took the, it was the same game, but they added, they had got all the actors to record uh, dialogue for it, right. uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and then I also had the sequel called Judgment Rights, which is basically the same game, just more missions. Um, but yeah, those are, those are fun. I like that one of the criticisms of the game originally was the hour long install of a nine megabyte game onto our drive. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, it's just the same thing now. We, I criticize like, oh, it takes an hour to update when you install a brand new game. You have to like download right. all these updates. And it's, it's like, like, oh, like half five, <laughs> five terabytes of, of yeah. models. Yeah. The scale is different, but it's the same complaint. So and yeah, I think of the, the like problem. parents, just that idea of the tangent of like parents letting their kids install things on their office. Like there's, I don't even, I barely oh, let yeah. my kids even touch my computer. Cause it's like, that's, it's just that ignorance that what parents had or, or business owners or whatever had of like how powerful a computer actually was and what was at stake if their computer, if their kids mess something up like but yeah anyways yeah it's i think it was a different a different era i mean i remember i think i mentioned i played like doom on my friend's dad's like university lab computers right like some grad student convinced the professor to like let them install doom like (laughs) that's a terrible idea and no it department would allow it now um But yeah, uh, tearing through a couple other quick games that I, I played briefly, um, there was a next generation game for SNES that one of my good friends, Gus, he was another huge Trek fan and he and I were like big Trek fans together, but he had a Super Nintendo and he had this game, but I never got very far in it. Cause like, I think every time I went over to his house, I just played like the first mission maybe. Right. Um, but it, it was cool. Cause when you were, uh, when you were on the like menu, it was like you were on the bridge of the Enterprise D, which is next generation, which is kind of my main Star Trek. Um, so that, that was fun. Um, and I, I somehow bought, I think, used this Deep Space Nine Harbinger CD-ROM game that um, it had this kind of weird like box design that was like this, like a, a Cardassian window from the space station or something. Um, I didn't get, I think I got stuck in it and, and, you know, it was kind of before the era of walkthroughs on the internet a little bit, <laughs> or, or I didn't know how to find them. Yeah. Um, but then the, the next big one was, uh, and, and I think actually one of the best Star Trek games, I, ironically is, is Star Trek Voyager Elite Force. Um, it does not seem like a first person shooter makes sense in Star Trek because it's a it's a universe where there's a lot of diplomacy and technobabble and and you know talking and negotiating. But they took the Quake 3 engine and they made a really, really good uh Trek shooter. Um and you know the the premise is like the ship is stuck in some anomaly with a bunch of other aliens, so you have to keep going on all these other alien ships and and uh you know figure out how to escape um the 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 big bad aliens that are the real threat. Right. Um, and it is another one of those games where they had all the original actors record dialogue. So that's like a very immersive, uh, fan experience. Um, I think they didn't get Jerry Ryan to play seven of nine, but if you bought the expansion pack, it came with her audio. So they, they like replaced whatever voice actress they had with, with the one from the, who had played the character on the show. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, it, it was a it was a fun uh, it was a fun it's a fun game. I, I I did beat the first one at at some point, um, and yeah, it's it's weird that a shooter fits in Star Trek, but it's just it's well done. And the the multiplayer is kind of silly because you're running around with like a quantum torpedo launcher and blowing each other up, right? <laughs> Yeah, is it like um, setting, you know, uh, like pretending to be in the holodeck? So it's not like even within the mechanics of the game, they're not like really killing each other. It's just pretend we're in the yeah, VR it's, version. It's supposed to be like yeah, it's supposed to be like a training exercise on the holodeck yeah. uh, when you're when you're playing <laughs> multiplayer. Um, yeah, and then yeah, then I wasn't yeah I wasn't playing a lot of games other than between college and uh, and World of Warcraft. I wasn't playing a, a wide variety of games. I did briefly get. Um, Star Trek Conquest. It was a Wii game that I won in a contest at an early tweet up in, <laughs> nice. in Boston. And it's this weird, like, kind of strategy system taking game. And it does not make any sense on the Wii. I mean, you're like trying to use the Wiimote to like select systems oh, to yeah. attack. And it was, it was just a weird, weird port. Um, yeah. And then um, the, the only other non-mobile game on the list that I tried was was Star Trek Online, which um, I remember seeing their booth at uh, one of the early PAX uh, expos, and I was really excited about it because it, it really felt like, oh, you know, you get to you get to fly a ship, you get to go on away missions, it's an MMO. Um, and I, I did play it for a little while. I, I think I actually shelled out for the, like, lifetime subscription unlock. Um but the company got acquired and they ended Mac support at some point. So I kind of, I just stopped playing. I, I think I tried dual booting once or twice into windows, but yeah, it's just so much effort. I, I didn't keep playing it, but it's still under, you know, active development. They're putting out expansions. I even heard an ad for the latest expansion on one of the tra- Star Trek podcasts I listened to. Um, Which so is it's, impressive. A, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's been out now, um, since 2010 and it's a it's still going um you know we're kind of past the age of mmos in in a lot of ways right but um this one i think the star trek aspect of it makes it sticky for a for a select a select crowd (laughs) yeah (laughs) very sticky which includes which includes me (laughs) (laughs) yeah which like that's where it's beautiful about like the internet, obviously, and being able to find your your crew or the people, and and then also have things made for you as in your niche mm-hmm. or your your crew or whatever your interest area, and like that's what's awesome. And even just when it gets to that level of like Star Trek, even licensing, being able to maintain uh, a viable, assumingly a viable, some sort of business around it for this long is is very impressive, and that um, yeah, it continues on to this day. So. Very cool. Yeah, and and I think the you know, the the Star Trek universe in general, it's it's very easy to, um, you know, it, it it's the whole galaxy basically, and there's all these like aliens and worlds and stuff that you can reference from from the various shows and movies. So it's very easy to have this sprawling story going on that doesn't really interact except cursorily with the main characters that everyone knows. But you can kind of explore the the kind of the background that you know is out there if you're if you're really into the into the show. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Um, and then there's there've been a, a bunch of you know Trek licensed mobile games that have come out that I've tried over the years. There was uh, Star Trek Rivals, which was a kind of collectible card game type thing um, that tied in with the um, the newer movies, the three the three Kelvin verse movies. Um, I it, I remember playing it for a little while. It was okay, but it, it just you know it's it was one of those games where you know eventually you run into oh you got to start paying a lot of money to get the best cards or put mm-hmm. in a huge amount of time to get the best cards. 
Um, there was Star Trek Trexels, uh, which is this kind of pixel art uh, simulation game that I tried briefly. I don't really remember much about it. Um, Star Trek Timelines, I think I've mentioned on the show before, uh, I had been playing a bunch right up until uh, Apple Arcade launched. And this is like a free-to-play game. I, I was paying real money to you know get upgrades and unlocks and you know, mission currency and, and all that stuff. Um, what was fun about this one, right, was you were kind of in the world and they were doing little tie-in adventures with the currently airing TV shows and all that stuff. So you can kind of see the business side of it. Um, but it's also one of those absolutely worst kind of in-app purchase things where it's like <laughs> every day there's a, there's a special quest and you can only unlock the, you know, the new character if you do the quest every day for two weeks and you know, that, that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. So... <laughs> Um, and then finally, I think Star Trek Legends we talked about on episode 29, 29 like, yeah. um, which is an Apple Arcade title uh, that, I, that I've not continued playing uh, lately. But, <laughs> so it's um, not because it's not good enough to like warrant going back into because presumably, just like you were saying with some of the other stuff, even if the game isn't amazing, it's still Star Trek. And so it's fun to play. But this one doesn't even sort of hit that bar. <laughs> I. I think I think that for the reason why Legends didn't uh, grab you, so you get all the characters, but the the gameplay is was very very repetitive. At least mm-hmm. when I when I played it, like it was pretty much, you know, grab your crew, uh, you know, use the same kind of sequence of actions for every battle, and you win easily. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that's why it wasn't it wasn't fun as a game, even even being able to see like all of the the sort of the characters you you know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if <laughs> my my abstract life goal is to someday have the the star trek the next generation pinball game but i don't live in a house that has room for that so, <laughs> you know i don't have a basement or a, or a garage that that's kind of my that i think that would be a really cool thing to have as a collector but you couldn't like you could build like have a your kid's bed be on top of the pinball and then just like murphy bed it up you know out of the way oh there you go yeah and just then, uh, this is this is daddy's room now yeah. uh <laughs> you're going to school you yeah <laughs> i play pinball <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Some, someday. Um, and then <laughs> the other, the other one is I wanted to touch on were more in the, in the tabletop area, but this one's kind of a weird one because it's almost like, I don't know, it's like a board game, interactive media. It's a, it's a very, very niche period of technology, right? So this is Star Trek, the next generation, interactive VCR board game, <laughs> a Klingon challenge. And so it's a board game, but you put, a VHS tape in the player and the board game at various points will tell you to like fast forward to time codes. Uh, (laughs) and then things happen and things happen on the screen and you're supposed to react to what the, what the character says. Um, I played it once at a family friend's house as a kid. And, and it was one of those things that just kind of lodged in my brain as like this amazing, awesome interactive idea and then um, uh, my wife Andrew got it for me for my birthday a couple years ago. And we've played it a few times. You know, it it does not age as well as maybe my childhood memories of it are, but it is a fun uh, collector's item. Um, so wait, you we have obviously a don't have a VCR. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I found I I found a copy of the video uh, on the back of a truck and right. um, and and have it in digital form. 
Um, Which makes a whole lot more sense, obviously. But yeah, such was the technology in the early 90s that they thought, we'll send everyone a tape and <laughs> they'll fast forward. Yeah, well, and, and they clearly intend, I mean, if you read the rules and stuff, they clearly intended that you'd buy the base game and then you'd buy like new tapes of new episodes that would have a different story, but the same sort of game mechanics. And that never happened. This was the only one that was ever released. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting too, because they, they filmed all the video sequences like on the sets of the show that was filming at the time. Uh, so it's just this, it's this bizarre mid nineties artifact um, that I don't think there's really an equivalent um, that I, that I know of. Uh, well, looking back, it feels like not to, to go too far down a different trail, but like, it almost feels like this like distraction that we have now with NFT stuff with celebrities. It's like, VCRs are the next big thing and we're going to sell tapes and then they're going to, we'll make, you know, expansion packs. And we're just like, just seeing the money. We're just rolling in because you, all you have to do right. is just film the show and people will, will lap it up or whatever. Not missing the fact that this technology is going to just get decimated in the next couple of years, but <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. That, I think that's true that there is that sort of uh, gold rush mon- mentality for some of these. Um, another one that was like that was probably the Star Trek, customizable card game which i put too much of my allowance money into at one point <laughs> um and had a lot i still have some of my cards but um yeah this was magic the gathering uh had gotten huge for the first time uh it seemed right. to be just like everywhere at my middle school uh, which is the, the age i was at the time and every single licensed property started churning out collectible card games uh, so there's a star trek one uh, i play also played a star wars one uh, and there were, I mean, it was just dozens. It was this glut of them. Uh, and, and again, it was that same idea, right? It's like, well, we, we get the kids in the door with the, with the license branding, and then they're going to buy 10 or 15 card booster packs, you know, every week with their allowance for the rest of their lives kind of thinking, right. And, and the, and the eyeballs roll back into money bags in your, in <laughs> <Exactly>. your head. <laughs> yeah. And then the finally, you the the one that might be most accessible these days in terms of a board game is the Star Trek Catan one, which we've talked about a few times. Um, and you you do own right? You've you've played? I yes. Assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And has it been? It's like 2012 properties when it came out. It looks like, but that's still the most. It's not like they update it with new characters or anything. There's there's one uh, expansion which is a new map set. So instead of being the standard settlers like kind of random hexes, it's a map that's of the the galaxy with like the, the worlds, you know, from the world of Star Trek, uh, you know, Romulus and Vulcan and, and so forth. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty solid. It's, it's kind of set in the original series movies from the eighties timeline. Um, and, and as I've said before it, the way the bridge crew character cards work in the game really, um, fixes some of the randomness of a, of a base game of settlers, because you can generally have a card power that will help you. Like if you haven't rolled anything, uh, good in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so there's, there is, I, I think until I really looked at this list, I had no idea just how <laughs> many Star Trek games there have been and continue to be. Um, you know, I, I think you can kind of hear uh, my favorites are, are very much centered in my, my like uh, early teenage years, I, I guess when, when I kind of first was able to start choosing what games I was going to play and was pretty into Star Trek at the time. And, um, you know, now we, you, you can kind of hear the phases too of like the style of game there, there was, there was this big PC based adventure period. And then, you know, and now we're in the mobile in-app purchase tie-in period and, and 
at various points there've been you know simulators and and um I, I, like there's that bridge crew game that where you play as like an officer in VR on the bridge and that sounds really cool right mm-hmm. I think we've talked about that on a previous episode and many many other you know strategy games and and whatnot all all in between um so it it's a reminder of of I a, a phrase I've heard which is you know Star Trek is a place right so you can kind of take all these different game genres similar to what we've seen with like Star Wars games right and bolt them into the the universe uh, pretty easily you know you can you can have flying ships you can have shooting aliens you can have complicated strategy just story all and everything in between yeah it's a it's a kind of a testament too to the fact that star trek like we alluded to earlier is based around the idea of diplomacy and not non-violence almost right and Ge- generally yeah generally and and then also it's not like it's massive ship battles either it's not like you have like even star wars is generally like there's diplomacy and there's one-on-one sort of individual battles but then they can zoom out very quickly to like massive ship battles or whatever right and that's not at least my experience with star trek is not the same either it's generally like three ships are kind of like yeah lumbering around in space to try and fight and so that doesn't translate well to a video game in in on paper anyways or or whatever um in terms of like being a super fun game to get to play where you're just like sitting in the but i could totally see if you're a star trek nerd vr version of like sitting in the captain's chair and hitting buttons and ordering your crew to go get the phasers started or whatever I'll right go all the terms but like that would be a fun thing to do and you would happily shell out a hundred bucks for a vr game that lets you do that um and so but yeah just looking at the list of like how it, there's like games that came out almost every year, uh, you know, we're skipping a few here and there, but like there's been new games almost every year, even if the Star Trek show is not on or new shows aren't on or whatever. <laughs> Testament mm-hmm. to the property, I guess, the, that they can, they've been able to do that. And yeah, kudos to them. Yeah, I think I, I, I recently did the calculation that this year there's so much new Star Trek coming to Paramount plus it's a, it's almost all you know paramount plus exclusives it's the first time we've had this much star trek since like 1999 when right. multiple tv series were were airing on at the time in the US uh UPN um and and that's just kind of a it, it's interesting that it's something that you know they i guess paramount and and CBS who own trek uh, realize it's a it's a property that they can put a lot of money into and and turn into a whole big multimedia empire again you know with this long long history of course yeah um so you know i'm sure we will see more uh more games coming out um over over the next few years especially with with the with the tv shows picking up i i don't know so there's one of the new tv shows is animated and specifically for kids prodigy um and they just wrapped their like mid-season finale and I'll be curious to see if uh, uh, that ends up being a um, something that they base some games on more for kids. Um, that's also a Nickelodeon property. So, hey, maybe we'll even see an Apple Arcade uh, <laughs> tie-in there. Um, it, it's interesting because the just even bigger picture of like culturally, like I don't know what you're feeling, but like with on Disney Plus, they have a lot of obviously new Star Wars shows coming out. There's Marvel mm-hmm, shows that are coming mm-hmm. out, um, like, and it feels like there's potentially a bit of fatigue for new content in a in a weird kind of way. And I I kind of reflect back on like the 2000s or even 90s. It felt like at least for us where we were remote from you know long ways from Hollywood or anything like that, obviously, but like just as we were starting to get into something, all of a sudden it would just die out like the, the show or the whatever. Mm. And they, cause they didn't really have a, a feet on the ground sense of what was actually selling. It was so delayed. Right. Whereas now they know while well, people are 
signing up for Disney Plus, let's do another show. Let's keep it going, you know, keep the machine going or Paramount Plus or whatever. They have a much more um, urgent or what's the word, or like time sensitive or, or um, quick response, I guess, to knowing there's money for this. Let's keep going. Whereas in our teenage years, my teenage years anyways, for sure, there was like a six month lag when they would find out that, oh, nobody's buying Tickle Me Elmo dolls now or whatever. <laughs> like, and But even like Star Wars or Star Trek stuff would just stop selling. And they didn't know why. And so then it just was abandoned for years. Whereas, yeah, I, I'm just curious to see what kind of the world that our kids grow up in with this like infinite buffet of, of nerd right. fun stuff that are they going to grow up in their 20s and be like, ugh, I just want like a boring, cheesy sitcom that doesn't have like world building involved. It's just like, right. Like the sort of yang of this. Yeah. Unit. And I, th- I think, uh, yeah, the, like, um, you, you, Game of Thrones uh, obviously had some issues kind of with the ending of the series, but that was like that cultural moment. And now there's all these other you know, epic fantasy mm-hmm. uh, series that that are you know book based or game based um, that that uh, have been coming out. Um, and yeah, it is. It's like, you, you know, you got to like like when I was a little Trek nerd, like memorizing the technical manual uh, <laughs> as a kid because I was bored, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and really into into made up um, technology uh, that there is a a fairly mainstream interest in knowing like who you know the prince of some side kingdom is and and where all the territories are and wanting to go and read like the tie in books or play a tie in game and and really be immersed in in the experience and kind of how does is is there sort of like the nerd tier and the mainstream tier and it's it's certainly weird to me that there are these mostly sci-fi or fantasy franchises that are hugely, uh, you know, uh, culturally, cultural powerhouses, right? Yeah. You know, and, and of course, it's it's all owned by, you know, Disney or, or somebody else, right? But <laughs> these mega um, corporations, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting moment that the the sort of the nerd stuff has has very much uh, taken over in a lot of ways and and, and can make, uh, make a ton of money uh, for somebody. Yeah, exactly. That's, well, my, my son, we like we went to Costco and he came along and I was like, well, do you want to put on a podcast of something you're listening to? And so you like had this obscure Marvel podcast where they're listing off the 11 Marvel, major Marvel properties, TV shows and movies coming out this year and ranking them. And there's five guests on the show. It's, it sounded like it was a live stream recording, just like what we're doing, but obviously like a massive comment section. It was nobody mm-hmm. I'd ever heard of, a show I'd never heard of. It wasn't from some bigger publishing company that I'd heard of. Like it was very much an indie thing that had, you know, sound like there are probably writers on other other sites and things like that in, mm-hmm. in that and like just that whole economy <laughs> that's built around this, the fandom which is nothing obviously new to anybody it's not like i'm saying anything earth shattering here but it just is impressive looking back as we look back at star trek stuff and like the the vacuum that you had to live in as someone who was remote from that stuff if you weren't in a major center you weren't going to star trek conventions or you know able to do mm-hmm. that you'd wait months to get the magazine from <laughs> with pictures from whatever convention that Star Trek happened to be talking about something. And that was your experience of it. Whereas, yeah, now right. my son can be like intimately involved and know all this stuff and have it regurgitated. Like we've, we've, <laughs> we've started this refrain of like, do you know this for yourself? And is this your opinion or is this an opinion you're repeating from a podcast you listen to <laughs> when we're talking about yeah. like, okay, like, it's not like life changing information. It's just like whether Morbius is going to be good. Is that your, your opinion or based on what you've seen, or is this just something you're regurgitating? Cause and it, it doesn't really matter, but just like, it helps us frame the conversation. Cause yeah. No. And, and that's a really good, like kind of parenting angle to all of this. Right. Which is kind of media criticism. Like, yeah. you know, can you, can you expose your kids to something you love uh, without it, you know, kind of 
messing them up or turning them off, you know, can you, can you share that? Right. Like, yeah. so we've, we've done a little bit of Star Trek sharing in here and, and obviously some Star Wars as well, uh, with it, with our eight year old. Uh, and, and can you also talk about like, all right, this show is from the nineties. So we're going to have to explain a few things that, yeah. you know, are going to seem like <laughs> awkward or, you know, actually down, you know, and we haven't, uh, obviously shared some of the, the infamously bad episodes yeah, yeah. Of, of Star Trek in that, in that area yet. Right. Um, but, but yeah, kind of getting into that, do you understand what you're, what you're reading, what you're hearing? And yeah, in the, in the podcast area, right? Like, okay, I've watched the new Star Trek episode. I can now listen to three, four plus. Oh, at least you know, yeah. Star Trek podcasts. <laughs> and, and I'm sure there's dozens, right. Yeah. That'll just go through and analyze the show and talk about, you know, things you missed or, or share, have a different opinion than you. And then there's even the official tie-in podcast, right? Like, exactly. like for Star Trek, Will <laughs> Will Wheaton, who was Wesley Crusher on The Next Generation, like hosts a podcast every week interviewing like a cast member or a production crew or something about what the episode that was just released. And it, yeah, it's just a wild uh, world of, of media uh, yeah. well, just, you know, yeah, consumption and criticism and, and yeah, you it, 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 it is that sort of, at, at some point there's going to be a new Star Trek coming out that I'm just like, no, that's too much. Right. It, <laughs> it has theory. to be, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think I can really watch something every single week, uh, year round, uh, on that, on Paramount plus, right. It'd just be too much. Um, yeah. Um, by the way, we'll, we'll wrap up here, but just as a matter of interest, if you're curious about like parenting and kids and looking at just something you said there about referencing old stuff that might not be appropriate for kids or just you know, things from the nineties where it's just like, is that horribly racist now? And all those kind of questions. There was a podcast that they, they haven't published any episodes in a while. And I think they're sort of officially shut down, but way too seriously on good stuff here is a podcast host, my brother, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, uh, where they took podcast or TV movies, mm-hmm. kids movies, and some TV shows and kind of just went a little way too seriously on them in a joking fun way, obviously. Um, and so yeah, everything frozen and, uh, Pokemon and all sorts of, yeah. Spider-Verse, et cetera. All sorts of movies, kids' movies that they took and discussed as adults and then sometimes had their kids involved as well. So you can check that out. There's a hundred and some episodes. So it's there's definitely like if you're looking for a show and just curious about some a little bit of critical media analysis from a couple of parents, uh, you can go back and dive into that catalog. So but I think that's that's enough for this episode, anyways. And thanks for taking us on to Star Trek Corner. I don't I don't know if there's enough content. Yes, well, like we said, there's probably enough for every episode, but <laughs> Yeah, we've 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 set course and we're we're returning now to uh to uh earth uh i i i'll try to keep this level of star trek out of the show uh, in the future but i really wanted to do kind of a deep dive for a little bit yeah and yeah you know as as new trek games come out i'm sure we'll have uh reason reason to talk about them uh because it is something that that i love and and uh is a is a big part of our sort of family media experience here that is like one of the if again in this world where there's infinite time and I can just create podcasts, not have to listen to other people's podcasts to make a living, but like the idea of taking my kids on a journey into Star Trek because they've seen nothing, I think really is pretty fairly safe to say. Mm. Um, and like doing a podcast series on them, like watching a movie, watching the first series, whatever you know, like, and they're they're seeing it and hearing about it through their lens now in 2022 and what they experience of Star Trek and how it looks and feels and sounds and whatever would be a super fun. And then having you on as the, you know, the expert resident parental expert <laughs> guest <laughs> to like guide us in our journey or whatever would be a fun little side podcast series that maybe we'll do someday. But I think my kids are way too invested in the Marvel world to 
my, my poor dog-eared <laughs> Star Trek The Next Generation technical manual is there within arm's reach. And, uh, you know, if, if the kids have any questions about exactly how dilithium crystals work, I'm yeah. happy to answer them. <laughs> We'll do. We've joked about doing like a summer camp with their with their uncle or whatever. You know, who builds stuff on YouTube and stuff, and send <laughs> for Star Trek summer camp with Nick. <laughs> a week long Zoom classes of like, <laughs> yes. I wanted. I don't want to do this anymore. Okay. Uh, yeah. On that note, if you've got ideas or thoughts for our show, we'd love to hear from you. Like I said earlier, 25C Arcade on Twitter is where you can find us there. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to 25 Cents, our video game podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iChris. And you can find me on Twitter and almost everywhere else, probably talking about Star Trek as Ultranerd. That's N-U-R-D. And you can find 25 Cents wherever you listen to podcasts, of course. And be sure to check out the good stuff, Patreon, patreon.com slash goodstuff. And uh, goodstuff.network for all the other podcasts that are on good stuff, either active or not. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.